John chapter 21, verse 15 says, so when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Verse 17, he said to him a third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said it to him a third time. His memory kicked in. Do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. This is, this is that, that, that left-handed apology and repentance that we do in church. You know, Lord. <laughs> he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Verse 18 says, most assuredly, I say to you that when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wish. But when you were old, you, uh, you, you will stretch your hands out and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Verse 19 says, this he spoke signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. Amen. I want to talk to you on this thought this morning, how Simon became the rock. Amen. How Simon became the rock. You can be seated this morning. All right. I'm going to try not to do any storytelling this morning. But we find that uh, Jesus is having breakfast with his disciples you know, we picked up from last week. They had been fishing. Uh, the important thing to note is that they had caught fish, but Jesus already had fish. Y'all remember that? Amen. Uh, and, and then he asked them for some of the fish that they had. Yep. Amen. Now, there's a lesson there, but I sure don't want to go too much in it. But isn't it amazing that he will always ask you for some of what he already has to see if you are willing to give it up. <laughs> All right, just clutch your wallet a little tighter and say, oh, I think I got it, Lord. So the Bible <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, some people won't get this till tomorrow. You mean I got to give up something that's already mine? Uh, pretty much. Now the whole point of this uh, uh, introduction in the lesson is that when Jesus spoke to Peter, notice the name that he used, Simon by Jonah. Simon by Jonah. Uh, now, the reason that he used this name is because that was Peter's original name. I guess in today's language, that's his government name. And uh, uh, Jesus is using that name, but he had not used that name in dealing with Peter uh, uh, for a long time because if you notice in John chapter 1 and verse 42 the Bible teaches us this it says 
and he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus looked at him, he said, you are Simon, the son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. So Jesus immediately thought that Peter was the rock. Now, you know, in Matthew chapter 16, when Jesus uh, announced the formation of his church, he said in verse, I think it's Matthew uh, 16, 17, I believe it is, but you can look it up. And he said, uh, uh, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church. So he was affirming that Peter was, in fact, the rock. But here, after the resurrection, he does not call him Peter the rock. He calls him Simon. So the name Simon indicates that maybe he is sending a message to Peter. Either you are not my disciple, not the one I call, or perhaps you've forgotten what I told you. Now, how does that translate? Well, let's just be right ugly this morning and tell you. Uh, that's why we call you guys, you know, brothers, sisters, deacons, ministers, pastors, elders, whatever. And sometimes you're not responding. So the indication is that Jesus had to restore Peter back to his discipleship. He was not worthy at that point in time to be called Peter because of his behavior. So what was he doing? He was reminding Peter of Peter's stand that he took. Peter took a stand in Matthew 26 and he decided that he was going to speak for the group and make him greater than them. How did he do that? Well, let, I guess we need to look at Matthew 26 and figure it out. Uh, in Matthew chapter uh, 26, let me back up here. Ooh. Matthew chapter 26. Look at verse 31. The Bible says, uh, then uh, Jesus said to him, all of you will be made to stumble because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the, uh, sh and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. Verse 32 says, but after I have been raised, I will go before you in Galilee. And verse 33 is Peter's explanation and exclamation and, and his exhortation. And he says, uh, Peter answered and said to him, if even if all, if all y'all <laughs> are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. Amen. Sometimes you want to be careful about your claim to fame. Peter made the statement, and of course you know the rest of the story, that after he made that claim, it was not long before the Bible says that uh, he denied Christ. Amen. Amen. Now, it's obvious that when Christ saw Peter, he saw something in him. 
the same way when he saw you, he saw something in you. And the thing that he saw in you, he called that thing out of you. Now, some of y'all are still waiting to figure out what that is. And the only reason you're waiting to figure it out is because you're not listening when he told you. Because he told you why you were here. What's your purpose for being here? Amen. A lot of people uh, tend to find their own purpose. Uh, <laughs> Woo. I always say it's because of the two eyes. And I, I, I'm right scared to say all this. <laughs> yeah, two eyes. Ignorance and insanity. And there's a lot of that going on in both camps. Uh, let me give you an example. This is an example we can all relate to, okay? What is it that makes a person drive slow in the left lane? Is it ignorance? Everybody looking around. What's he talking about? Now, unless you got your driver's license online, you know that slower traffic is to what? Keep right. We know that. Everybody knows that. If you got a driver's license, you know that, right? So why are you creeping along looking? I said a re- something you can relate to, right? Amen. Yes, it is the same way when Jesus calls you to do something. <laughs> and you're driving in the left lane. Creeping. I wonder if the Lord wants me to do this. <laughs> I'm sorry, I I, I couldn't resist that. I was behind one of them this morning, I thought. (laughs) Now, let me get back to the lesson. (laughs) Because I, I noticed something this morning, that while we were praising God, the clock was running. I, I just haven't noticed that, you know. <laughs> so, so, so Jesus starts a process here. Now, this is a process that every person who is saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled, you're going to have to go through this process. The Bible calls it a process of leadership training. He questions Peter, and then he gives him a command. He questions Peter. And then he gives him a command. I'll do that one more time. He questions and then he gives a command. So three times he says, Peter, do you love me? That's the question. Then he gives him a command. Go do something. Tend my sheep. Feed my lamb. Every time you are given a question by Christ, it is a call to action. 
All right, let me keep going. Let me keep going. Now, I got to take one side road real fast. And I'm gonna, well, kind of fast. You remember last week we talked about that specific number of fish. Now, here it comes back to haunt us again. The Bible says uh, uh, that Jesus asked the question, uh, Peter, do you love me more than these? Well, the first thing we have to identify is what these are. These are. Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> so, so, so it's, it, it's, is the D, is the V, is the these that he's referring to the fish, the net, or the boat? Let's start with the fish. If the fish is the object, then remember he was very specific about that. 153. So some people say that 153 represents uh, 100, who is the fullness of the flock. Where'd you find that at? Well, I, 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 as folks say, I found it in the Bible. <laughs> in Matthew chapter uh, 18, the Bible says in verse 12, what do you think if a man has a hundred sheep, he uses the hundred as the fullness of the flock? <clears throat> so he says that that is all of the Gentiles. The 50 then, he says, represents the remnant that will be coming in later. And then the three, he says, represents the Trinity, which provides the power for all this to take place. One hundred and fifty three. Now, another guy was smarter than me, figured out that 10 plus seven equals 17. And if you add up the numbers consecutively to 17, it comes to 153. I don't know what that means. I'm not even going to try. I don't know why anybody would take the time to try to figure it. But, but, but there are a lot of people that got a lot of time on their hand. <laughs> so we know that there's another 153. Now, the Bible says this, that when he gave that number uh, 153, that at the time was the number of species in the sea. Now, there is more than three million today. But that was the number that they knew, 153. Now, now that you got all of that information and you got the deepness of all of this, here's what I'm going to tell you. I believe that he gave the number 153 so they wouldn't lie about the catch. Remember what I told you last week? People tend to lie, especially when it comes to ministry. So I believe he said, I'm going to tell you what the number is. <laughs> so you don't become a lying leader. <laughs> lying leaders don't last. Amen. All right. Okay. You don't, have, you don't have to agree with me. So let's look at the questions again. He asked that question. He says, Peter, do you love me more than these? Now, 
he might have been looking at the disciples. Peter, you like, do you love me more than these? That's a good question because if he were talking about the disciples, these are the same guys that Peter dissed before. Amen. So he may be saying to Peter, Peter, now that you got your head on straight. <laughs> okay. But he could be saying, Peter, do you love me more than these? Do you love me more than your family? He could have been saying, do you love me more than these nets and boats? Do you love me more than your professional career? He could have been asking a number of questions. But the key thing here is that Jesus says, do you love me? And he used the word agape. And Peter says, yes, I love you, using the term phileo. One was brotherly love and the other was the God kind of love. The second question was, uh, do you ask, uh, he asked us, do you love me, Peter, with agape? And, and Peter says, you know that I phileo you. Now, he says, I love you, Lord, like a brother. Are y'all still with me? Now, the Bible says that there was a third question. And the third time he asked Peter, Peter was grieved. Amen. So Peter was being uh, interrogated to see if he was genuinely loyal to Christ. So he says he probed the genuineness and loyalty of Peter's love, and Jesus now descended to the human element. And he uses the term phileo when he asks Peter the question. And he says, Peter, do you phileo? And Peter says, Lord, you know all things, and you know that I love you. Now, in Matthew chapter uh, 15 and verse 13, I want you to see in Scripture it says, but he answered and said, uh, every, what did I say, Matthew 15, 13? Yeah. That ain't what I'm looking for. Excuse me. Let me back up here. You know how sometimes you get in a hurry? That's what I did. It is John chapter 15, verse 13. It says, greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. So Peter thought that brotherly love was what Jesus was looking for because he had already laid down his life for all of us. Amen. Amen. So Peter was half right. <laughs> How was he half right? Well, we need to understand that before, now here's what you, this is the part you need to remember. Before Christ died and ascended, phileo was the highest form of love. Amen. Listen to me. Without Christ in you or you in Christ, you could only love like a brother. But after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, you receive the power to love the God kind of way. You had the agape kind of love. So Jesus was not trying to, 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 to uh, uh, lower the standard. He was showing Peter that he was raising to a new standard. The new standard of love uh, for the God kind of love was agape. And now he says, because of, of 
the fact that I have been crucified and that I have been uh, gone to the father, he said this, that I can show you now the kind of love that not only will cause a man to die for a friend, but the kind of love who will cause a man to die for his enemy. You see, this is the highest form of love. When you can love to the point that you will go to the mat for somebody who will not love you back. Now, see, you can't understand that unless you have had some cheering. Because there comes a point in every person's life, every parent's life, you say, well, well, wait a minute now. I'm, rem oh, Lord, let me stop. I had another example, but I, you know, ha have some fun. You know what y'all say? <laughs> now, see, I consider all y'all my churn. And sometimes, can, can, can. every now and then uh, in business, you know, church is business, right? People will do stuff for the church and bring me a receipt. And somebody will say, well, Pastor, what's wrong with that? There's a lot wrong with that. It really is. Because I would never go home to my wife and say, uh, I fixed the sink. Here's the bill. Why? Because it's my sink. Now, wait, somebody said, how you get that? Wait, wait, how you get way over there? Because. When we stand here every Sunday, every Tuesday, every Saturday, and we give you this word, I never give you a bill. Because my love is free. But when you present me with a bill for a dollar and 50 cent, What does that say about your love? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm losing, I'm losing my audience. But y'all want an example? I, said, I, I mean, I got, I got, I got a bunch of them now. So he was, <laughs> he was testing the genuineness. See, I don't even know if I can go much further with this because everybody just shut down on me. John chapter 3, verse 16 says it all. God said this. He said this is the highest form of love, that he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. Wait a minute. He said this, that 
whosoever, whosoever, not my friends, not my family, but whosoever that would believe should not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. So the first love, first love, first word used for love uh, in the first two questions refers to a love that involves the will and the personality. But then the third one becomes a part of our will and our emotions. See, there's a difference between wanting to love someone and willing to love them because you want to. Do you understand me? Every time I uh, 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 see that commercial on TV, they talk about the want to. I said, I should have patented that. But I didn't. So, so the Bible says that uh, uh, <laughs> Peter had to learn humility before he could learn leadership. What does that mean? He had to learn humility before he could learn leadership. Peter couldn't lead the disciples because he was always seeing himself as above them, not a part of them. Amen. See, there's a term in Latin called primus inter pares. You don't need to remember it, but it simply means first among equals. First among equals. That means that we're all equal here. But every now and then, someone is called to do something extraordinary, but we're still part of the same equal group. And this is how God uses people, that he will use you to do something spectacular, but then you go back to your seat. Problem is, some people won't go back to this. <laughs> Amen. I've always believed, even from early days of ministry, I, I've always taught this. We use whoever the anointing is on. Amen. If someone is anointed to do something, you allow them to do the thing that they are anointed to do. What you have to remember is just because God used you to do A, you don't need to do B. And where you get in trouble with God is when you start moving to B, C, D. He uses you to minister a word, and now all of a sudden you got a building fund going for your new church. Amen. Amen. So Peter had to learn brokenness. And listen, you'll never succeed in life until you have first been broken. Peter had to do something that we have a real issue with in the human race. We do not like to confront our shortcomings. Before you can lead folk, you have to know something about the folk that you're leading. In other words, if you have not been where they've been, it's kind of hard to take them someplace. That's why some of the greatest evangelists in the world were some of the greatest sinners in the world. Amen. I remember uh, my days in law enforcement. I always tell people there's a very thin line between a cop and a crook. Because I would never be able to catch a crook unless I could think like a crook. And I always thought I could have been a good crook. 
The only difference is I understood the line. Yeah. Okay. All right. And most of us don't know when we've crossed the line and when we have crossed the line, sometimes it's difficult for us to figure out how to get back on the other side. So what Jesus was doing is teaching Peter that he had crossed the line and he needed to come back. Thin line between love and hate. Y'all remember that song? I remember, I remember that one part of the song, I'm here I am laying in bed, yeah, cut from feet to head. <laughs> That's a lot of cutting. <laughs> so the Bible says that the strong, powerful person has to be broken before he'll be able to deal compassionately with others. Now, when we use the term compassionately, uh, compassionately with others, there's a lot of times we deal with others and we get by with what we're doing, but it's not to the degree that we are, uh, we have any, any uh, relationship with the person. We don't know anything about their suffering or their struggle. Amen. You can fix my problem temporarily and then you have to fix it again in six months, but you can fix it once and for all and I will never have that problem again. So it takes more than talent to gather followers. The Bible says that uh, it takes a broken spirit from pride, and that spirit now has to be linked to God, and then it has to learn how to be tender toward others. That's why he said feed 10, because we have to be able to deal with folk where they are if we expect to keep them in the fold. Amen. And this is why, you know, uh, when you have uh, people coming to certain churches, no matter what the, the church is, churches have purpose. All churches don't have the same purpose. They do have one common to make disciples, but they don't all have the ability to help you find your purpose in Christ. And that's because people come into church uh, with different, different levels of understanding, both understanding the word and understanding life in general. Amen. If you have lived your life for 20, 30 years, never had a bed, always slept on a mattress, uh, never had any curtains, you always put a sheet to the window, then it's kind of hard to tell you that what you're doing is not prosperous. Okay, we're getting quiet again. I always know when the subject I need not to talk about, right? But the fact is, uh, well, let's just say it this way. Such was some of you when you came here. And now you got your own house. How'd that happen? Well, because you came to a ministry that taught you how to manage not just money, but your life. And you get the biggest fight when you try to tell people uh, you're not managing your life well. Oh, they'll fight you tooth and nail. But I happen to know that all of you are blessed to the place that you all are all successful. Every church can't say that. All of our people are fully employed. I don't mean 
underemployed. They're fully employed. You guys are blessed. You are blessed. But we will never let you be a failure. We won't let you live as a failure. We won't accept mediocrity. Yeah, this is where I'm getting in trouble. <laughs> no, if, if, if I'm going to buy something, I want the best. I don't want the best they make. I just want the best I can afford. You, you understand what I'm saying? Hmm? I need to leave this alone. <laughs> You guys sometimes, y'all, you see, you egg me on till, till we get to the dough. <laughs> you hear him talking about us. <laughs> now, I warned you, uh, uh, I know what it means to be poor now. I can tell you, see, y'all act like. <laughs> and I think I've told you before, I keep this book on my bookshelf so that I will be be reminded. The book is called Hamburger, 365 Ways. Huh? Sometimes the hamburger was just a speck in the potatoes. Y'all don't want Huh? Cut that bad boy in half so you get some flavor for the rice the next day. <laughs> See? <laughs> don't ever tell me I don't know anything about being poor. <laughs> yeah. Well, they used to tell people I was so poor I couldn't pay attention. <laughs> so... <laughs> So we see that Peter now, when he responds to Jesus third time, uh, he responds the opposite of way, the way he boasted in Matthew 26. He denied Jesus three times, and as a consequence, Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? He wanted to affirm that love and commitment. In other words, I want to know for sure that you remember what we just went through. Amen. Come on. Now, now see, a lot of us, don't want to be reminded. We don't want to be reminded of the silly stuff that we did. You know, we're perfect in all our ways, but sometimes, sometimes you have to be reminded that maybe you got yourself a little bit too far out there. Hmm? And, you know, I'm, I'm always a fan of, uh, 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 <laughs> of telling folk uh, Maybe you might go back and study some more because that ain't what the scripture says. <laughs> All right. Okay. Let me move on. So the Bible goes on to say this, that uh, each time, each time uh, he says, do you love me? He wanted to affirm the love and commitment. But he also said that every time he says, I love you, he gave him a task. I love you. Care for my flock. He says, you love me, take care of my sheep. You love me, feed my sheep. Love for Jesus must be demonstrated 
by obedience to his call and service to his people. Now, I want you to notice that the, the key here is that Peter was prepared. He was being prepared to be the king. Uh, Y'all ain't listen to me. See, what we understand is that uh, when, 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 when he, Jesus used these action words to describe Peter's role, he did not ask Peter to be the leader. Let me say that one more time. He did not ask Peter to be the leader, but to take specific action, feed and take care of my sheep. Notice this now. He says, if you love me, feed, tend, do this. See, and it's the same way in church. If you love the Lord, you should do some stuff. You shouldn't say, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stand at the door if you make me the head usher. You know what I'm saying? We, we want, we, instead of wanting to do, we want a title to give us permission to do what we should be doing anyway. Amen. Remember what I said, first among equals. Amen. See, we should never have a shortage of serving. Amen. Now, again, I go back to the ushers. And if, if an usher doesn't show up, we shouldn't have to draft another usher. We should draft a person. Amen. Look at y'all. Look at y'all. Come on. You may be just walking through the door and say, well, look, I don't have nobody here at the front door. Can you stand right here? And in your willingness to serve, an anointing comes upon your life. But if you never take the initiative, you can never become the leader. You might be the servant, but you'll never become the leader. And what Jesus was teaching was servant leadership. I learned how to lead by serving. I learn how to lead by what? Serving. Amen. Come on, this is good stuff. So the Bible says that uh, if people in leadership assume that holding a position or being in charge is all they must do, they miss the point. Leadership in ministry requires a servant's heart, contributing to others, not just directing, but developing people, not just demanding that task be done. Amen. See, there's a way to, to get people to do what you need to do. Amen. Now, my thing has always been that if I ask you to do it and you don't do it, I just do it. Uh-oh. Oh, Lord, that, that lead balloon, right? If I ask you to do it and you don't do it, I just do it. Amen. I haven't tried on this side. because If I ask you to do it and you don't do it, I just do it. Why? Because the work of the Lord has to go on. Amen. It can't stop while you're debating, arguing, uh, uh, philosoph philosophizing, <laughs> or any other stuff I can't pronounce. <laughs> the point is simply this. What we have learned over 34 years is this. If the job needs to be done, We'll get it done. It doesn't matter if you don't do it. Amen. And the amazing thing is that 95% of the people 
when they see it's not, I mean, it's done and somebody else has done, they never say how to get done. They never come back to figure out how it got done. Now, here's a secret. This is what you don't know. That's why all our bills are paid. That's why we have money in the bank. No, we, we never hit the lottery. Didn't have any inheritance. Y'all ain't listening to me. But we work. Whatever the Lord showed our hands to do, we do it. We try to get you involved, but you don't understand that we're trying to get you blessed when we ask you to do something. But no, you want to fight about it. I, don't nobody have time for that. No, seriously, don't nobody have time for that. So we just move on. And in so doing, the blessing you would have got. And I ain't mad about it. No, it doesn't. Listen, it didn't create any kind of disabilities for me. I don't have any, you know, limps or, or limbs that are not working or, you know, so it didn't hurt me. But it did help me. Amen. Now, I remember years ago when we were first starting, there was a prophecy given that everybody who came under this umbrella would be blessed, that there'd never be a shortage of anything. And see, if you, if, if you, <laughs> I need to shut up. But if you're in this house and you ain't being blessed, guess what? Thank you. I didn't want to have to say that. I, I'm going to hire him. Discipleship only has one requirement. We become disciples if, if we love Jesus so deeply, we're willing to do what he asked. If you don't do what he asks, mm -mm, you don't become his disciple. So each time Peter answered the question concerning loving him, the Lord gave him a task to do. Oh, this is so good. He gave him a task to do. So Peter is given a pastoral responsibility among Jesus' followers to help see uh, to it that the unbroken net represents uh, what will come true in fact. In other words, that none who belong to Jesus will be lost. Amen. 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 Now, see, when the Bible talks about that net and all having all the species of fish, that means that everybody in every generation until the end will be in that net. And the net, of course, is the boat that we're in here, the church. So we're all in the same boat, whether we like it or not. Amen. So when Peter asks, uh, uh, here it goes now. This is the last part. I'm glad I only got a minute left. Peter asked John. Uh, what was John was going to do? Uh, <laughs> he said that he should be not. He sh he should be not. He should not be concerned about what another disciple does. Now Jesus was very polite, but he said it. Uh, you know, he says, uh, you know, ain't none of your business. Listen, 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 listen. My primary concern. I'm talking about you. My primary concern is to do the task the Lord has given to me. Amen. 
because I love him. Let me say that one more time. Each of us, our primary concern is to do the thing that God has given us to do. Come on. And I do it because I love him, not because I get credit for it, not because I think somebody else should have done it. No, I do it because the Lord said this is what we do. Mm. Love for Jesus leads us to serve him and other people. The Lord will give others, listen, whatever assignment he pleases for them, but you would only be concerned with your assignment for you. Did we get that? When we, when we, when we focus on what other people are doing or not doing, it's a distraction. But we should be laser focused on what God has called us to do. Y'all understand this? That's why if you have an assignment, and I, and, and, and I was talking to a pastor yesterday. We were just shooting the breeze, and I told him, uh, I enjoy what I do. This, this, this is why I do what I do. I, hmm? Listen, I am 76 years old. Okay? All right? No, no, no. I, I appreciate your applause, but that, that, that's a God thing. But here's, here's what I want you to understand. I, I, you know, I were already retired twice, so I, I, I could actually <laughs> kind of go home if I wanted to. And the only time I know how old I am is first thing in the morning. Now, if you ever get me going, I can go. But I, <laughs> I might need a crank or something to kind of, you know, get me going. You know, it takes a long time to loosen all this stuff up. <laughs> but my point is, I do what I do because I love the Lord. And I will tell anybody, my goal is to make sure that I get to heaven and show you how to do likewise. I'm not, I'm not forcing anyone to follow me because that's not something I can make you do. But I will tell you that so far it's working. And if it's working in my life, I can promise you it will certainly work in your life. Amen? Amen. All right, come on, stand up on your feet. <laughs> now the whole purpose of this lesson was that Jesus was restoring uh, Peter to his proper ministry uh, and see the one thing that, that, that I will tell anyone if you have erred in some way if you had not done all that God has called you to do if you're lacking in any area of your spiritual walk, the Bible says that you're not making maximum use of your spiritual potential. 
you're not able to do all the things that Christ wants you to do because of your slow obedience, which is actually disobedience. You should love God enough to do. Listen now. This is the hard part to do what you know to do. Don't worry about the stuff you don't know. But you should love him enough to do what you know to do. Amen. So if I'm talking to folk who've been disobedient in any area of this ritual, don't move. Stay right where you are. I'm not asking you to come up out your seat. I want to just just pray for you. I want you to understand that it's not too late. It's never too late to make that turn. If you want to be something more than what you have considered to be just status quo, you know, if you're, you're going through the same situations and, and every now and then you come out and then you go right back in, I'm telling you, that's not God's highest. That's not what he desires for you. What God wants you to, love, to do is love him so much that your ears are tuned to his word. And somebody say, well, pastor, I hadn't heard the Lord talking to me. And to that I say, did you hear me today? Anytime someone who is operating in the spirit of God speaks to you, that's the Lord talking. Now, if you're waiting for that voice to break heaven and shatter your drapes and all that stuff, uh, uh, that ain't going to happen. If God ever spoke to you that way, I promise you, you will find yourself in the best mortuary in town. You don't listen. You don't want God talking to you face to face. Ask Mr. Moses. He'll tell you, no, 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 no. So why not accept the word as it's being ministered, not just from your pastor, but from all the people of God who are living according to his word. Amen. So let me pray for you this morning. Father, I thank you this morning for a spirit of revival in the house. I pray that you would touch every soul in divine presence. Those who are listening now and throughout.